Mike Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm your host today, Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ Message Board. And joining us all the way from... That's right. Daniel, Wheeze, good to see you again. Good to have you back on the show to talk some kiss with us with a different perspective. Been looking forward to that. And, of course, not to make Mark feel any less welcome, Mark from Canada. Greetings. Marcus Almighty, of course. And then the voice of reason, 69th Blizzard, Ken, sir. I'm honored. I uh, had a very good uh, chat with another Ken last week, and I'd like to thank everyone who gave our little uh, solo podcast, our crossover. That was, of course, uh, Ken Mills from Podkist, and I got together just to talk about what we knew about the first two discs on the Gene Simmons vault. We played some samples and some music from my collection for the stuff that's not out there yet, and pondered whether that will actually be it. So thank you to everyone who gave that a listen. Um, Also give a shout out to Talking Metal. They featured an article this week on the top that we're going to talk about on a live too, which uh, I was very happy that they were willing to run that. So thank you guys. Uh, what else in the realm of Kiss? Gene Simmons is in Japan currently, and it's one o'clock in the morning in Tokyo while we're recording this, so there's no chance of finding out anything about what's been going on there other than what some friends have been posting on Facebook. So exciting times for everyone. Um, Mark. You've got some stuff happening in your world before we get into today's topic. What's going on? And I like your t-shirt, by the way. Oh, yes. It's a very fine, comfortable t-shirt. I enjoy it very much. Um, As far as uh, what's going on with me, um, I just released the first single off the next record, the next Project Gemini record, which is going to be called A Brand New Day. Um, The response was so good, and I thank everybody who... You know, left their comments and left their opinions, and even the people that went ahead and bought the digital download of it. I thank everybody who did that. Even some people contributed slightly more, and I thank those people too. And like I mentioned in my post, every single penny that I get from this is going right back into the production of the new CD and vinyl. So it's not going to my pocket for beer or anything stupid like that. So um, now, as a as far as uh, what else is going to happen, thank you, thanks to everybody who, you know, made all your comments about the first single. But on the 23rd of October, because of the good response, I will release one more song before the album comes out. So stay tuned for that. I will post soon what song that will be. Awesome. So, so good news. And by the way, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, great, great music. Good continuation on from your first album. Um your stuff is more fun to listen to than this, which I actually listened to this morning. Why am I showing you this? Just because I just happened to have it lying there. I have now listened to the complete catalog. So let's get into today's topic. And we are approaching the 40th anniversary of Kiss Alive 2. Well, however you want to call it. You want to just call it Alive 2? That's fine. I always call it Kiss Alive 2. But uh, 40 years, Kiss's second live album. How does it hold up? Um, you know, what are the things that you like about it? What are the things you don't like about it? Um, where does it fit into your personal history? You know, let's get some uh, 
just general thoughts off the top about the the album and why you're interested in participating in the the episode celebrating its 40th anniversary. Daniel. Okay. <clears throat> well, um, you know, I started getting into Kiss back, back in '85, so this was something I had to rediscover a few years later, and uh, uh, I, mean, I remember buying Alive One and. Uh, I was really excited about that one, and I liked Alive 2 at first, but as time progressed, uh, I've come to see a few flaws in the record, you know, uh, and uh, I guess we'll talk about them, but still, you know, Kiss Alive, it's, it's even if it's not as good as Kiss Alive 1, you know, it's better than most live albums. Exactly. Mark, what about you, your overview? Well, the reason why I was interested is because um, when I was a young lad, my older sister, Jane, um, she had a couple of friends in the apartment building, and uh, she took me to one of her friends, and I remember seeing this imagery, which was the back of the Alive 2 cover on the guy's wall that he had. He, he had put up all the Kiss records on his wall, and uh, I was always taken by that imagery. So Kiss Alive 2 <clears throat> is actually one of the first records that... That's the image right there. That's the first record that kind of was buried in my head when I saw Kiss. It was kind of my introduction to Kiss. It wasn't my first album that I got from Kiss, but I remember that was probably the very first imagery I saw of Kiss when I was young. And my story, I'm going to make Ken wait because he's got the best one of us all here. So, um, you know, I, when I was getting into the band in 85, 86, that early period, I don't remember what order this one came into my into my experience, but I was buying the albums back then kind of on a weekly basis, you know, maybe getting one or two albums. I, again, I don't remember. And I, was, I started off with the ones that had more songs in them. So Alive 2 with Alive and Double Platinum were amongst the first. Um, or they, I assume they would have been, but I was always kind of drawn to it by that picture of Gene Simmons on there, and for me that just remains a completely iconic picture. I don't know how real it is. I look forward to Ross maybe going into a little bit more detail about where all these pictures on the album cover came from um, in his book Magic when that's published because you know there, there's just something very weird about it it's almost like someone's throwing a bucket of glycerin on him I mean he's like shiny in the wrong places I'm, I don't think I've ever seen another picture of him in concert that actually looks like that um, that, mm -hmm. he's, that he's in that condition that state I mean it really is it's a great look it's just the expression on his face is like me on Monday morning oh I have to go to work <laughs> no <laughs> So, so more than anything, it, it was a great introduction to kind of a little bit more of the catalog, and a, again, a very good chunk of the catalog plus the new songs. So, um, again, it was just a matter of me getting to get as much bang for my dollar as I could at that point. Ken, your your overview and story on that. Well, my overview is it's a sentimental favorite of mine because uh, it was my first. Kiss album that I bought. So, uh, and then I've told the story that I wrote, you know, rode down my, my bike to the drugstore and picked it up there. Um, and uh, the deal is, I, things I really remember about this, and here's this is the actual one I bought. So I still have it. Wow, you, you still is, actually have the very first Kiss record you this bought. This is this is my first wow. record I bought. This is the very first one. So In great shape. I kept it, you know. Yeah, not too, I didn't, you know, not too bad. 
pretty good shape. So uh, I just, you know, again, a friend of mine had had played me rock and roll over a little bit, rock and roll over, and I like, okay, this is something different. This is something cool. Um, so shortly after that, and it's '77, um, uh, we went down, and I, I bought this album. And the thing of what's funny about this album is, uh, first of all, is when first listening to it, I didn't know who was singing what. Because, you know, you're just getting into a new band. I didn't know who was singing, you know, Detroit Rock City or, or Calling Dr. Love. I just like, okay, well, he must be singing this one. And and then I was looking at the song, the names who wrote the songs. I said, okay, this guy probably is the person singing that. But then I had to identify, okay, which one is Gene Simmons, which one's Paul Stanley. Uh, I just remembered, like, man, I, I don't know who's singing, but, you know, this is good stuff, you know, and it it was rocking. I, I enjoyed it. And the other thing about it too, this album is, I hadn't seen them yet either, uh, but it made me want to see them more based on what I was hearing. And plus, when I saw this center, you know, fold up like, oh my god, I could only imagine what what the concert was like and hearing the the bombs go off on, on the live record. And, that kind of thing is just it got me very excited about it. So it's a sentimental favorite to me. Um, you know, I, I rank it up there with it's it's, it's different. Of course, Alive is is pretty much known as the the main you know Kiss's best de- you know performance uh, live on record, maybe other than Unplugged, right? Uh, but this is a this is close to it. It's close. That's a great story. Did you use your tattoos? You know. I, I, well, I'll tell you, yeah, I used it to, I was looking for the tattoos. I think I have them in somewhere else, but uh, I remember cutting out one tattoo, which was the rose, because uh, on Halloween, my friends and I, I didn't, I didn't use the tattoo. I gave it to my friend who was doing, uh, who was going to be Paul Stanley, and uh, we put it on his shoulder and for when we went out and you know, celebrated Halloween. Um, I, I, you know, I did his makeup for him too, uh, for Paul. So, yeah, use that. I actually the booklet, it's cut up a little bit. I pull it out, it's cut up because I had some of it hanging on my, on my walls. I, I, you know, I took anything I found at Kiss Pictures uh, from that, and then you know, Sixteen Magazine, etc. I was starting to collect and put things on my wall plaster with, with anything Kiss posters and, and so on. So. Yeah, tattoos. I didn't use them on myself. I just used one, so I, I ruined that one, <laughs> you know, thing. But I have other copies now, and I have multiples of those tattoos. Yeah, you, you, you've got a few copies of Alive too now, I believe, as you've fallen into the under into the gravitational pull of the collecting uh, the addiction. The addiction, Daniel. Uh, when you measure up Alive too to other live albums in the Kiss catalog, where does it kind of fall for you? Well, you know, I mean, I, I come from a different place than, than Ken, you know. Kiss Live 3 came out when I was ripe for, for you know, for, for the Kiss, Kiss mania. And uh, to this day, even though Alive 3 has been thrashed on this show, that to me, a few songs from there I really enjoy, like uh, I Was Made For Loving You, Never Sounded Better To Me, and... Uh, Creatures of the Night, a great live version, and so on and so on. So on, but Alive 2 
I don't know. Uh, there are a few problems uh, that bugs me. Uh, <laughs> <Thank you>. uh, yeah. <laughs> Not perfect. It, the, 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 the first and main problem to me is as I grew older and came to know what a Kiss concert was, you know, what kind of songs they started with and what kind of songs they ended with and uh, all in between. It's not really a Kiss concert, you know. Uh, while listening to a live one, it's like being at the concert, you know. Uh, you have, uh, they start off with Deuce, Strutter, and and it ended off in style. But Alive 2 ends with Shout It Out Loud, I think. I don't know if they ever ended with Shout It Out Loud. Uh, so, so when listening to it now, it doesn't feel like a live concert, you know, the way Alive 1 does, and to some extent Alive 3 is. So that's the main problem for me. I enjoy a few of the songs, like God of Thunder, I think is a great version. Um, maybe a few others like uh, uh, I have to think about it. is there any more songs that I like from that album yeah I Stole Your Love I Stole Your Love I think is a great version as well. but other than that the problem was that when you heard Kiss Alive 1 each and every song sounded better than what they did on the studio albums you know wow. you had you know <laughs> Kiss Harder Than Hell and Dress to Kill all great albums but they sounded tougher, rougher, and better on Kiss Line 1. Then you had Destroyer, Love Gun, Love Gun and uh, Rock and Roll Over. To me, three albums that, sounds pre that sound pretty good. And when you heard the live versions, uh, sometimes you, you felt that uh, the studio versions were better. And that was a feeling I never had when I listened to Live One. It was like it was a pumped-up album. Every song sounded better than I ever had ever heard it before. So, of course, it was uh, harder for Live Two to be groundbreaking. But there's a few songs that that kicks ass, you know. God, for example, God of Thunder I think is a great version. And another problem I feel is the drum sound. I don't know. Um, Midas is, is uh, the musician here, but 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 something happened from the drums. The drum sound on Alive One is like thunderous, and on Alive Two it's like listen to Metallica's album from 2001 or Saint you know that anger. album. Saint Anger. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like like the snare sound, or uh, it sounds kind of wimpy, unfortunately. Uh, but it in. Um, it's Kiss at the height of the power, but somehow I don't really think they managed to capture it. But uh, I understand Ken, if it was his first album, you know, uh, you'll love it forever. And <clears throat> the art on the album is fantastic, even though they managed to get a whole lot of great pictures in that album on that album, but uh, the cover... I don't know. We have to talk about that. They could have done something more there. Yep, without a doubt. Ken, what about you? Yeah, um, I, I understand where Daniel's coming from. Where the <laughs> the the sound uh, is is not the greatest. Um, the uh, you know the, the the live audience is is, is, is it can be annoying, but you got to put that aside and try not to focus on that. Um, you know, piped in, um, 
the other thing is, yeah, I understand too that Alive, the first three albums weren't the best produced, especially, you know, uh, Hotter Than Hell um, albums. It didn't really capture Kiss uh, you know, properly on vinyl until, you know, Rock and Roll Over, right? Um, but unfortunately, you know, the sound on uh, Kiss Alive 2 wasn't quite up to uh, rock and roll over, you know, kind of capturing that kind of sound, live sound, or even keeping with the alive, the first alive one uh, sound, uh, probably would have been a a better a better thing to do. Um, now, as far as the song selection, as Daniel was saying, you know, it doesn't feel like a Kiss concert. Well, they couldn't really do it because they're trying to keep the same thing that they did with um, Alive One. You know, they just chose you know the best songs uh from those first three albums and they and they pretty much you know sequenced like they would in a live concert but they didn't want to redo any of those songs on a live too so they, they couldn't really sequence it as a concert would go because there were other songs uh intermixed with you know the rest there that's, was stuff that, from a live one right that's correct so, but, but but you don't see that as a problem yeah I don't see it as a problem because of what they were trying to do. Uh, I, what they did is they, they succeeded in eliminating. I mean, they let's put it this way: they would have had to record a live two with in live without doing any other, uh, you know, a live one songs basically in it. Do a show that did not have any of the first three albums in it. They could have done one show. And said we're just going to play our last three albums, you know, songs from there. That that, that would have worked, and they could have, you know, made a concert out of it. Um, unfortunately, they had to re, re record some songs, a couple songs in the studio, right? Uh, Hard Luck Women, for instance. Even though they had performed it a few times, maybe live, it wasn't really, it wasn't used. They they did that. You know, in the studio or on the you know on the stage, uh, you know, like in rehearsal or something. But, sound um, check. A, a sound check, and you know, Julian probably knows more about that. So, those are my. I understand what they were doing, and, and I'm I'm okay with it uh, from that standpoint. I understand what happened. But did you recognize in 1977 when you no. first bought it that that was not a real Kiss show? Did you? Daniel, no, Daniel no, same question exactly. for you in 1985 and for me. I didn't know squat, and some would say I still don't. I thought it was a live show at, uh, from beginning to end. So I, you know, I took it as as at face value of what it was. You know, what I was hearing is, you know, this is the concert. This is the next song. This is the next song. This is Paul Stanley saying something about the next song. You know, it's going, it's going. So I felt okay. This must be what a you know Kiss concert is. So I thought okay, yeah, this is a Kiss concert. Yeah. So you know. I, I didn't understand it either, bro. But 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 as I was saying in the beginning of the show, as time went on, I I started to see the cracks, you know. Oh, absolutely, and it's yeah, the same for me, that. that you get to a point that, you know, here here they are, you get into collecting, you start building up more knowledge, you start buying some bootlegs, and you suddenly, you, you get educated as a fan and yeah. as a collector that this is not a real KISS show, this is, you know, completely, basically fake, 
with the really the one thing that's always bothered me about Alive Two is the audience track. It mm-hmm. to me ruins the listening experience, and I don't listen to Kiss Alive Two very often now at all. It's just mm-hmm. uh, there are bootlegs that are superior, and for my taste, that I'd much rather listen to. Great. I do not need to hear Tomorrow and Tonight live just so that they can have five songs from Love Gun on the live album. It, it's just one of those things. I do not care about that song. I do not like that song particularly. You know, it, it's okay. It's an anthem. It's happy. It's crappy. It makes me want to punch a kitten. But, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's just not something that I, I need. Mark, you know, what we were talking to Daniel and Ken about, you know, what's your opinion on the album from that perspective? Well, when I first heard it, you know, obviously I was a lot younger and back then when I was not as learned in the production things as I am now, then the ignorance was bliss then because it was just to me a live record that Kiss made. And the only thing that right away stood out to me and I didn't understand why it was happening or whatever was I was a big listener on headphones even when I was young. And I remember when I first bought a live too. And I put it on. Well, actually, my sister had it, and I put it on. It started to hurt my ears. Like, just the audience was so shrilly and loud. I was like, oh, God. Like, after a while, it just was hard to listen to it. And Alive 1 was not like that. It was a lot warmer sounding. Mm -hmm. The audience was mixed in a lot better. Even the explosions in Alive 1 sounded really full and really powerful. Whereas if you hear, like, those kind of things on Alive 2, everything just sounds so top-endy and, like, ooh. Like, you know, you're just looking for the cotton balls to shove into your ears after a while but you know as you get older and you start learning more things about music and how it's done and stuff like that like you said you start learning about the, the cracks and why these things happen and Alive 2 to me is sort of one of those things that was a missed opportunity because number one I don't. I understand what they did with the set list, but to me, it still never made sense. I wouldn't have had no trouble hearing some of the same songs again, just so that they had the flow of an actual concert, you know. And learning some of the things that I've learned through the through uh, time, like how they rented a you know a remote truck that had two 24-track machines in it, they had all the capacity in the world to make this a really good recording. They could have really isolated the audience better. They could have isolated everything better. And it still turned out really, really just thin, you know? And it really boggles boggles the mind to me because as you get more popular, you have access to more money, better equipment. Like if you look at the drum set, for example, that that Peter had for a live one, as opposed to the drum kit he had for this tour, it was miles better. It should have sounded miles better, yet it didn't. I thought the drum set sounded much better on a live one, and maybe that was down to the microphones, because I've always said that the way they mic'd the drum kit on a live one sounded really fantastic, and it had a special sound to it when he plays those drums, and that, that just wasn't captured on a live two. They started doing a lot of underneath the tom miking, I noticed, on a live two, and they never did that on a live one. They did it more on the top of the, the, the skins, which gives it a different tone as well. So I just think that a lot of things were missed. They could have made a live two just as good, if not better, if they would have maybe thought about those things and kept it that way. Just from a recording perspective, I I really think that 
it could have been a good record, but I just think that some of the techniques that they used to record a live one were better, and the album turned out better for it. And that's one of the things that is kind of interesting, that going into this project, why didn't they just completely record it the same way they had done a live? They knew exactly what they re-recorded on the first album. Yeah, but isn't it very common with kids, you know, Creatures of Night, Drum Sound, What Happened, Asylum, Animalize, where did the drum sound go? They seem to be lost when it comes to, you know, uh, holding on to great sound. It's it's common in history. Right, but, you know, again, like Mark said, with having the two twenty four tracks, they could have mic'd the heck out of Peter. They knew they were going to re-record Paul right down to his raps. They were going to re-record Gene right down to his growls. And Ace would be here and there re-recorded where necessary. So the foundation of the Alive album is the drums, because mm-hmm. so much work was done on top of that original um, yeah. you know, performance that they did keep. They should have just approached it from that point of view. That Well, we know we're only really going to be keeping the drums, so let's make sure we get all the drums captured from the three shows, and then since we're going to go in somewhere else and re-record the rest of you, we'll just do it the same kind of organic way. Maybe it's just you know overthinking it and in a revisionist kind of perspective that when they're living it, they're kind of saying, well, maybe we don't want to do all that again. Maybe this time we could really record a live album live um, and all our jumping around and humping each other on stage isn't going to be noticeable on the recording. So, uh, wrong, right? Yeah. So, Mark, I want to go back to you for a question. And that is, your love of a certain producer is well known on this show and I tweak you every opportunity I get on it. So, rather than doing that today, I'm not even going to mention that person's name. Um, I want to know from you, how do you like the material that was sourced from Destroyer on Alive 2 compared to how it sounds on that album that you're not a great fan of the production of? Um, that, that's the one thing that's really been kind of burning uh, for me to ask you. <laughs> well, and I think I kind of touched base on this before, is that my main problem with the man in question was what he did with the songs in the studio capacity and i've always thought that those songs in a live situation came across as much stronger much more raw much more the way i would have expected to hear these songs to me detroit rock city king of the nighttime world even god of thunder they are made to be played live and they sound a hundred thousand times better to my ears in a live capacity and they even sound better to me on a live too and I have to say that I agree with Daniel. I think that the God of Thunder on Alive 2 is probably one of the more standout versions of that song. All right. So, you know, that, that's that's fair enough. So let's compare apples and oranges in this case. On Alive, you start off with Deuce and Strutter. That is an incredible one-two punch from, you know, the band's the catalog. Best. Yeah. One, if I listen Good. to a live album, I don't listen to Alive 3, which was my live album. I listen to Alive. But... On this one, you've got Detroit Rock City into King of the Nighttime World. Good one-two punch, Ken? Yeah, it is a very good uh, one-two punch. It's probably one of the better, uh, you know, better parts of this, you know, Alive 2 album is that one-two punch right there. Um, So, yeah, that works for me. It feels that, up to that point, it feels live uh, to me. Uh, feels like it could have been the start of a show uh, with those two songs. So 
I think it's a good one-two punch. Daniel? Yeah, I agree. They they used King of the Nighttime World as an opener at the last, you know, the last uh, shows, the last tours they did as a non-makeup band in Australia and Japan. I think they started with the King of the Nighttime World. And Detroit Rock City has at times been an opener as well. So that's a good two, two, uh, one-two punch. <clears throat> However... On the, you have to remember that this was released as an LP, and when you turn it, when you listen to the the other side, there's a problem. You have this great starter in "I Stole Your Love." Fuck. Um, am I still with you? Yeah. Yeah, you're still. We're, you're, we're, you're, we're, we're you're just fro- you froze. You froze up on me. Okay. Uh, you have "I Stole Your Love," and then, isn't it Beth the second one on on? on <laughs> The other side, and that's just crazy. They used that one over there. Yeah. But uh, King of the Nighttime World, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah. am, I, am I correct? Yeah. Mm? Okay. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So that's just, you feel like I stole your love. It's like one of the greatest versions ever. And then death, which first <laughs> the drop off has always been a stinker. But but you know, uh, they could have used anything else from that side, like. I want you, or shout out loud, or or uh, got a thunder as the second track. You have to remember that back in the day, you needed to start off each side in a in an interesting way. <clears throat> and I think I think Beth was misplaced, you know. But uh, Hill Nighttime World and Detroit Rock City has started. That's always great. Mark. Yeah, I have no. <laughs> Oh. Space Ace. It, it's actually, well, I mean, I think it's actually probably an example again of what I was saying before that in that raw live capacity, these songs I think come across better. I mean, the start of King of the Nighttime World is great. The, the feedback on that guitar is just fantastic. It's that that's the way it should have sounded. And the latter of those songs is, of course, one of the big mysteries still remaining, is where that was recorded. It was not performed during the Love Gun tour. Um, I don't think it was even still in this. It had been dropped out of the set at the end of the Destroyer tour. So is that a sound check? I would love to know the details on that, if anyone does have the uh, the, the studio sheets or you know the recording details on that. It's, it's bothered me for years. I'm not, I've compared it with just about every you know soundboard recording from the period to see if anything matches up, and I've got nothing. So I don't think it was sourced from another show that was recorded, even though Eddie, of course, had come in in late 76 to record stuff for them and was with them in Japan in um, March and April 77 recording. So that that's one of the ones. But one thing that does bother me is, again, it, for me, talking about it, it's going to be revisionist, just because I wasn't there. I hadn't been a fan in the 70s and the albums lead, leading up to Alive 2, so I just don't have that experience base. Um so I go off the details that I know and have learned. Detroit Rock City and Take Me. Those were the first two songs for the Love Gun Tour. They were the first two songs performed in the set on the Rock and Roll Over Tour. It just doesn't make any sense to me that they would step away from that and not have it. I mean, Ken, would you rather have something at least that's token legitimate rather than something that's completely fictitious to start off the Kiss Alive 2 album? Because both of those songs aren't on Alive. So. Exactly. No, I, I would have rather had 
you know, take me on there. If they did it that way, they should have, you know, put it on there. Um, you know, it's the same thing with, you know, why did they put, you know, tomorrow and tonight in there? Why did they even re-record and put it? I mean, they they didn't play that ever live, did they? As far as I know, they never they um, never never played that alive. The only so songs are Hooligan it, and Got Love for Sale from yeah. London. So that's not a true representation of you know of the concert from that standpoint. Um, they should have kept with what they were going to do, I guess, with the uh, you know the Japan uh, live rock and roll party that they were going to do before they decided to do the live too. So. Yeah, but that... okay. sorry, I was going to say something though that's kind of been making me scratch my head here. Um, <laughs> I have a I have a bootleg show. I'm sure all of us have it too. Is that one on uh, disc two on Kissology? Didn't they start with "I Stole Your Love"? The shows in '77, no. and then went yeah. to "Take Me." I think they did. I think yeah, they did. Yeah. So and Detroit Rock yeah, City was in the, the was in the encore. Right, right. Which Another thing up. about Detroit Rock City, and this goes back to what you know, uh, Mark was talking about too, is uh, Detroit Rock City. Uh, I, when I, I that was the first time I heard Detroit Rock City is on a live too, and it sounded you know great to me. So when I finally bought, as I'm starting to buy the back catalog, and I bought Destroyer, and I heard Detroit Rock City on there, I'm like, what the heck? Why is it so soft? You know, it felt soft to me you know it wasn't you know raw um or gritty um, so yeah that that's something that you know bothered me like uh, yeah these are meant to you know play be played live like you know mark said yeah so so mark they actually do start with i stole your love on the alive 2 tour after this album's released mm-hmm. but before then detroit okay. rock city and take me so so it was yeah. Joya, no, she's got it. No, I, I'm just, I'm feverishly <laughs> trying to fact check myself live here because, you know, when we are talking, when we're talking about set lists and and stuff like that, compared to what is on the album, it is, you know, kind of a useful Not to be forever. to be right, <laughs> you know, for <laughs> for a change. Okay, so getting back to the, you know, talking about the start of the sequence of the album is, you know, I'm looking at the Montreal Love Gun tour, you know, Detroit, Take Me. Calling Dr. Love Hooligan. But, you know, mm. they're not going to give Peter Hooligan in place of Paul's tomorrow and tonight, are they? Even if that means they have to fake it and record it uh, in the studio. Yeah. You, so you just kind of get the feeling that that's not going to work. So go back to the set list of Alive 2. And the next two songs up are Ladies Room and Making Love. So two songs from Destroyer followed by two songs from Rock and Roll Over. Daniel, how do you like the stuff from Rock and Roll Over on Alive 2 and these songs specifically? Uh, well, I think you can never go wrong with a song from Rock and Roll Over. I mean, uh, it sounds great on the studio album, and I still like Making Love and um, you know Calling Doctor Love, and I want you on on the Live Two album. However, the improvement is less than when you heard songs from the first three albums on Live 1. So it wasn't really the same, you know, kick when you heard them. But uh, they still sound great. You you can't f- fail with that, those kind of songs. You know, Rock and Roll Over is probably, in my mind, 
the height of, of, of Kiss's career when it comes to studio albums. And I know I have at least one or maybe two with me in the show tonight on that one. But, but um, I still feel that they sound great. But the, the main thing for me on this album is the drum sound. I think it could, <laughs> you know, I, I draw. I think about Saint Anger when I hear Alive Two. I think it destroys a lot of the songs. Unfortunately, like Saint Anger, I I, I listened to it once. <clears throat> no, but that drum sound is like the worst ever. And Alive Two is a close second. No, it's not a close second. But 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 it could have been been better. And. Uh, but you can't go wrong with a, you know, playing a rock and roll over tunes live. You can't fail, really. Talk about two drummers that get absolutely no respect whatsoever: Peter Chris and Lars Ulrich. That's true. <laughs> Lar- <laughs> Lars, I just have images of him with pots and pans, just banging them together half the time. You know, not even in time. He, he put a click track next to him. And he looks at it like, "Why are you making me play out of time?" But. Uh, <laughs> the thing I don't like about him, sometimes it feels like Lars Ulrich, he thinks he's the lead singer, and that that bugs me. You know, he walks around sticking out his tongue, thinking he's like, a, a, you know, a, a hybrid between Gene Simmons and James Hetfield. He's just a drummer. Deal with it. <laughs> just a drummer. All right, Ken. So we're we're talking now rock and roll over songs. They re, they re, they recorded rock and roll over songs live twice in the space of a you know a year pretty much because obviously rock and roll over is essentially live. So how do you, how do you like those? And I'm gonna ask each of you to pick your favorite song from each of the three studio albums that's represented on a live and which song from each of those albums that isn't on this that you think should have been. All right, is that enough to really confuse you while Ken talks? Ken? Yeah, well, the Rock and Roll Over songs uh, work pretty well for me. Um, For instance, uh, I spent spent most of my time playing side uh, two of Alive 2 because, you know, I kind of uh, favored, uh, well, not because it was Rock and Roll Over, but, you know, Gene Simmons, songs uh i've always kind of leaned towards um but calling dr love was one of my you know basically my first favorite kiss song that was my first favorite song um of you know since then i've you know i've gone on like black diamond whatever um but that was still a, a good representation of of uh, rock and roll over um you know hard luck woman even though it was re-recorded you know hey it was sounded good in that environment uh of course you're not going to be able to match all the acoustics that they had on the rock and roll over album uh but yeah for the most part you know making love sheesh man that rocked like crazy and it's it's a good song so uh the rock and roll over songs sound great yeah and i i think for me my my taste is there's so little difference between rock and roll over and alive two of those songs other than that audience track basically being put on top of them you know yeah you know, it, it it works for me. The Love Gun stuff, on the other hand, which I've always said is a sister album to Dress to Kill in terms of how it's sonically mm-hmm. kind of neutered. It's just a little flat for my tastes. Um, you know, they lost all kind of the organic rock aggression in that stuff. Um, I think also comes across a lot better live on this album. Mark, <coughs> um, if, I, I can't remember if I've already spoken uh, with you about the... <laughs> 
the rock and roll over stuff. If not, start on that and then move on to the next two songs, if you would please. <clears throat> okay. Um, the rock and roll over stuff, I think, is strong, very strong. I've always loved Don Material, as you all know. It's my favorite Kiss record, period. And like like uh, Julian just said, I mean, the reason why they're strong is because they were essentially both a live recording, the rock and roll over sessions and this album, well, as live as we can possibly get it at it, I suppose, at this point. But um, <clears throat> the one song, though, from that record that I think is vastly improved, actually, in my opinion, compared to the studio version, is Ladies' Room. For some reason, I think, when I listen to Ladies' Room on the Rock and Roll Over album, it almost sounds like, and I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, like somebody played a practical joke on Paul and ran up to his amp before they started recording and turned his gain down on his amp because he has such a really undistorted like like such a teeny tiny little guitar thing when it starts on the studio version I'm like why does it sound like that like you know <laughs> and when they play it live on the live too he has such a more ballsier guitar sound for that that's why I kind of think that the live 2 version is superior in that sense and I also kind of think that Peter was kind of a little bit you know you know in the live situation so he kind of attacked the drums a bit better on the live version for that song i think that you know he he really played well on that i think peter chris his performances weren't very weren't, weren't bad at all on the live two I, you know i still think a live oh. one is superior than than the live two but he, he still had his fire going for this album as well as far as love love gun goes um there's you know fantastic songs are represented on this album right i mean i stole your love is just great love gun is a great yeah. song right so they're 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 well represented and um for me i've never really had a problem with uh the studio versions of these songs i've always kind of thought that eddie kramer wanted to maybe bring a little bit of elements of destroyer into it which i think was a little bit of a fault in my eyes i think it should have just kept it the way he always did his records kind of more rock and roll overish but you know the 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 songs that that came off of Love Gun that are on Alive 2 I think that they still they still translated well because though those records weren't so overly you know moved to the left like a certain person did on a certain record is is tomorrow and tonight the right song to have on there from Love Gun uh, no, but I think because of the way they approached the record and that they didn't want to have the same material over that they had from the first record, they were really left with no choice. I mean, they could have maybe used, you know, Almost Human Sailor or Almost Human, yeah, instead instead of that. But, you know, who, who knows what kind of, uh, you know, muscles were being flexed as far as, no, 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 I want my song on there instead sort of no, situation. No, no. <laughs> yeah, so so for people going on the Kiss Cruise who may get a chance to do a Q&A with Paul Stanley, I, I would love to ask Paul, did you envisage Tomorrow and Tonight being a single mm. for a live two? And, you know, I, I, I just wonder if because, you know, the singles had not done that well on Love Gun, you know, even with Paola can get those things up, um, yeah. you know, that maybe... <clears throat> that's why that song you know why was that song picked to be on alive too versus say 
versus uh sorry you're really crackly there daniel when you shout into the Am mic I? yeah sorry not too close <laughs> too, close. <laughs> too close to the mic when you talk yeah and so i can understand why they wouldn't put hooligan on because peter chris gets no respect and come on that song in live in concert is well it's okay but it's hardly exciting it doesn't have the same sort of energy as the rest of the material so i get it but you know that, that that's just my my thing so daniel let's go to you on there yeah yeah i feel there's uh at least a couple of songs missing on this album. I would have loved to to hear. Do you love me? It's not on there, is it? No. Nope. It's it's it's, no? it's on the rare, on the rare track listing misprint cover. <laughs> okay, but but that's a song that works really well live. Eric Singer's favorite track, and um, I think I would have loved to hear that one. And also um, a song from Rock and Roll Over that I've feel would have worked fine is love and leave him with gene on on the vocals i would love to see that and i've always been a fan of almost human because it's just such a strange song i would have loved to have that one as well so but the the, the material represented on the album is it's it's great but but uh, you could have picked a few songs differently and unfortunately beth became such a you know great hit Otherwise, that's the one that stands out for me. It, it like brings down the tempo in, in the album. I would have got ridden of that and brought on like, do you love me or leave, love him, leave him. But it was a hit, so they had to have it on the album. But that's the stinker to me. You know, I've never considered that the flow from Tomorrow and Tonight, I Stole Your Love, followed by Beth. I mean, yeah, what a, what a kind of slam on the brakes and, okay, a yeah. nice recovery with God of Thunder because you're not going to have any Kiss song at that time to bring you back up. But, uh, yeah, but where else would you put Beth other than where it's supposed to be in the set where people would kind of be expecting it to be? So mm -hmm. from that kind of perspective, I, I really think that they should have been replicating a real concert more. The tail end of a concert at that time, you know, is... Well, unfortunately, Rock and Roll All Night, which they did not want to do, followed by Shout It Out Loud, Beth. And then, mm. you know, I think they could have kind of fiddled that around a little bit better in the sequence. Um, I'm trying to think of what my next question would be about Alive 2. And, you know, let's get Pictures. Back. Pictures? Explain. You mentioned yourself that you thought that the picture of Gene Simmons was the greatest one you've ever seen, almost. Uh, it wasn't used in a great way, I think. I would like to hear what you people think about the... You people out there! Paul Stanley, what, what do you think about the cover? So what we think oh, about what? Okay. The, cover. the album cover. The cover. So the, the album cover. cover. Uh, Let's go. Album cover. Uh, yeah. Hold it I up, mean, Ken. Hold it up. Again. So here it is. And you had your, you know, on Kiss Alive, they had the whole band on there, more or less in concert. Yeah. Uh, they could have done, they could have done a fold out. They could have had reversed it, right? And maybe put this on the outside and had it fold over or something uh, live. There's some actually good, you know, Love Gun live shots uh, that they recorded or that stage 
uh, uh, studio shots that they've taken that were very cool looking where they look like they're live on stage, uh, which would have been good with the stairs going up and the whole bit. Um, that would have been a good maybe cover with the KISS logo. Yeah, this is more, I mean, they use like the military type, you know, uh, live yeah. font and, and that kind of thing. The, um, I guess there's just small, four small pictures here. They could have maybe aligned things different too. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the cover is different. Uh, I guess it, it's kind of funny how you have a live and then two below it. It's kind of, to me, it's always got to be an off-center to me, kind of funny. Um, yeah, it could have been better cover. The bad, you know what though? That's good. You know. But the, but the thing that I have the problem with with it in general is if you compare a live, the first live to that one, they had such a big dominant image of them on the front in a live stage setting, yeah. and then had such a smaller lettering of the kiss and all that on top there. But now it's almost like they feel like just the name alone will sell. So that's why they probably made it so huge okay. on there. And I think that they could have left it, that, that kiss image. They could, they should have just made it bigger, I think. And they just, I think that's what's missing from it. They should have just had a real live stage setting photo. Like they had an alive on the front and yeah. do what they did with the, with the font, you know, maybe you couldn't use it as big, you know, in retrospect, but I think that, Kiss being the live band that it is, and how much people were saying that that's they were the greatest live band ever. Why wouldn't you have a big image of them on the front cover? Exactly. Yeah, you know, the the, the yeah. inside of the album is like the best ever. You can never top the inside of the album. That's the best shot ever of a band live, to my in my opinion. And also the shot of at least Paul and Gene are some of the greatest shots ever so, so they had a lot of great shots yeah that's the one that Ken is showing the inside of the album that I, I mean couldn't they somehow have put that on the front instead of having letters on the front you know you know kiss alive to you know that if they somehow somehow could have incorporated the inside of the album on the front it would have been the greatest cover ever because that's the best picture of a live band ever. I, I have never seen a shot that tops that one. It's always bored me, this cover. And particularly yeah. when you, you think back to the concept that, okay, we're not going to put any of the same songs on that were on the first one. We want this to be a continuation of the Kiss Live story. And then you have, you put them down next to each other, alive beautiful iconic cover and then this big freaking kiss logo and box office stencil block letters and tiny little pictures of the guys i never liked that logo i don't like the purple gradient i i think it should have been if anything the same logo that's in the uh, on the the dust sleeve for the kiss army uh logo in the destroyer album just red and yellow outline but i think it would have been better if they had kind of done a posed shot, like a updated one of the Alive yeah. cover of them, you know, <clears throat> you know that classic picture of Ace kind of duck walking and holding his guitar in front of the drum riser. It's just him, and you know, then you could have Gene and Paul to either side doing their then iconic poses. Sam the Serpent, you know, all squeezed down into 12 by 12, and Peter Chris up on, you know, maybe his drums go up four feet so that you could see him on top of all of them, and with 
with all the flames you get in the gatefold. I think it, you know, if they'd done an updated 1977 shot just like they posed in 75, then you could say it's more of a continuation of the album rather than something that I don't find it has any design qualities whatsoever that I can say are, oh, that's groundbreaking, that's fun, that's exciting. None of that can be said about the Kiss Alive 2 cover until you open it up and, like Daniel said, pow, that gatefold punches you in the nuts. So, okay, everyone, yeah. everyone's nodding their head. Yeah, well, it, it, but it's, it's true, but I mean... But I think the one thing, though, that I think also needs to be touched on as well is that while we have so many uh, little negative comments to make about Alive 2, the one thing I think Alive 2 should be praised for is that I think the packaging and what came within within it was vastly improved from Alive 1. I mean, you got the tattoos, you had a new booklet inside. You know, there, there were things that got improved with this record Merchandise. release. Yeah, if you're yeah. into merchandise, it was great. But uh, a lot of people are into the music, and then it was a letdown. But we also need to talk about the <laughs> the, the the final uh, side of Alive 2. We haven't spoken about that one. No. The studio album. Yeah. The studio songs. All right. Well, lead us into that, Daniel. Let's talk about the studio albums. What do you, uh, the studio songs? Pardon me. You know, what what do you like? What are high, what are good points? What are high points? What shouldn't be on there? And what's your favorite? Yeah, I think I'm pretty mainstream here. You know, uh, Rocket Ride, such a great track, such a, one of my favorite Ace Frehley tracks ever. And to me, it feels like a throwaway on this album. I would have seen it on Love Gun. I envisioned, you know, using the two best songs on that final side of Alive 2. To me, it's uh, Rocket Ride and All American Man. Putting them on Love Gun and exiting Then She Kissed Me. And uh, there's one or two more stinkers on that album. If you could have had those two on that album. Because to me... Love Gun is the weakest by far album by Kiss, by the original Kiss, uh, the, the re- original, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six albums. Uh, Love Gun is the weakest one. It was the start of the decline of Kiss. If if they somehow could have used those two on Love Gun and uh, left out two of the stinkers, that album would have been a lot better. But uh, to me, I never really got you know listening to a live album getting into it feeling like you're in a concert and then oh no there's a few studio tracks here okay uh doesn't really work for me so uh, that side of the album uh, was, I, I, I never liked it but rocket ride is a, such a great track and i think it was a throwaway putting it there it could have been a lead single of you know any kiss album uh, and ace does this to the to this day, and still sounds great. And All American Man is such a cool track. But the rest, you could have uh, left those out for the Gene Simmons box set and have 153 <laughs> songs on that one. Ouch. Mark? Yeah, um, I don't mind some of the songs. I mean, my favorite songs off of there have got to be Rocket Ride and uh, Larger Than Life are my two songs i like on that um 
to be honest with you, because they were kind of, I guess, forced into doing this, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't think that they they were the first to do this. I think there were, I remember reading somewhere that there were other live albums that had this situation where they had studio tracks on the fourth side. I don't remember who they were, but I remember reading it somewhere. But um, I, I do think, though, that uh, if it was up to me, I would have, and I don't know what, how you guys feel about this, but I think I would have rather have had side a uh, fourth side that did have some of the songs from a live one on there instead of the studio tracks, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Because I just think that some of those songs, while they're good, I mean, Rocket Ride is fantastic. And, you know, like I said, I really like Larger Save Than Life it. as well. Yeah, they could have used it for another for another studio record. I thought that could have been wiser used in that situation, and we just could have had more good songs. Because I remember when we when you get the Casablanca singles, they have that uh, live version of Nothing to Lose on there that's supposedly supposed to be from that era as well, from the Alive too. And I guess it's not, but you know, even even songs like that, I would have rather have heard in a live capacity or whatever they were playing at that time. You know, like even another version of Firehouse from Alive 2, you know, would have been cool, you know. But like I said, I don't mind the studio songs, but I think I still would have rather have heard a side of live material. Yeah, you know, you know, I don't think anyone would really turn down it to be, you know, use those five songs and the time allotted for them to make a full, proper live, you know, so you you got rock and roll all night, let me go rock and roll, uh, maybe Deuce or uh, Gun Gun Gunners, you know, Do You Love Me, like was mentioned, you know, get those songs onto this album instead. I always like these songs, and it's more because of how they sound. They sound like Love Gun should have sounded to me. They've got that kind of rawness that's coming back from the... um, kind of rock and roll over air so now we're back into what i like kiss to sound like versus um how they all got kind of polished away a little bit too much in the studio earlier in the year rocket ride without a doubt is the one song that absolutely leaves me boggled it was a top 40 Mm. single and they never performed it live this is the one thing that really bothers me with kiss Mm. and its live history kiss has never performed this song with ace 2001, they did a snippet of it. Well, a snippet doesn't cut it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I and they did it because they wanted to, uh, you know, tease Gene. It seemed like. Yeah, what, and see if Gene could remember how to play it. Didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, for, for me, you put it out as a single. And then you don't perform it on tour. It's just like, if there's these little boxes, I've got check marks next to the songs, and whether they perform them live properly, okay, they tried this one acoustically. It With Ace, if they ever do a final show with the original lineup, I hope that Rocket Ride is included in there, because that was his, his shining moment. Of course, when they put it out as a single, originally they weren't going to do any singles for uh, Alive 2 until they got feedback from radio about what might go down well. Of course, it's got tomorrow and tonight as the frickin' B-side, doesn't it? You just can't let... <laughs> what does the Ace Freely band want to play now? <laughs> as, yeah. as, as for the rest of the songs, you know, All American Man is cool. Rockin' in the USA is shit. Can't stand that song. Never have liked it. Any way you want it is just a waste of time. It's, you know, surely they had other songs they could have come up with 
you know, I, I know that Paul and Gene both like the Dave Clark Five. I, I, so I, I get it. But another cover after a, another dreadful cover after mm. Then She Kissed Me, the previous album. No. Nah. Um, larger Than Life I like. So, you know, I've got three out of five that I do like. And, you know, that's good enough, I guess. So, I, I mean, it's interesting to see if this was a second studio album for the year. You know, I, I think it's a pretty good start, but pretty much the same as... Shut up. Answering, goddammit. Not answering it. It's a, t- it's a telemarketer. Or, no, it's time to evacuate. Oh, God. All right, yeah, Ken. Um, well, here, here's the deal. The... The Kiss was overthink. They overthought this whole Alive 2 thing. And first of all, uh, the model that they used for Alive 2 was what they were going to use for uh, Kiss Alive, where they were going to have studio songs at the the end of the uh, record. That's what they were going to do originally with Alive. Um, so they thought uh, yeah, we we thought about you know about doing that back when we did a live so let's let's try it on a live too well you know it didn't really work and plus they should have kept with the uh, you know the, the the original idea for a live too which was the you know Tokyo thing and, and yes they should have kept all the songs uh, probably you know recorded Whatever they were playing at that time in concert, that's what they should have put on the album, basically. Um, so, but the problem was, I think the Kiss marketing marketing machine was in such high gear at that point that what they're doing, let's just put the last three albums on there, and let's try to you know set get these last three records to sell as much as we can, get you know them to buy buy these records. Um, that's part of it there. So that's my my thoughts on that now that's where the actual studio songs or the songs that they recorded whatever mobile uh for this uh i like most of them i'm pretty much the same as you guys i mean all american man love that song uh yeah rocking in usa is okay it's kind of a throwaway to me it's not you know that great of a song yeah uh but larger than life man i just i that I love that song. I mean, and my the, and the cock drums. is larger than life. Yeah, yeah, and the drums, which now you know, people have said, well, is that really Peter Chris? I don't know. As far as we know, it's Peter Chris. No one has proved otherwise. Um, and you know, he's proved to me that he can do other styles of drumming, like he's done on Shock Me, for instance. Um, and, and then Rocket Ride could be, well, it's one of Ace's best written songs in my opinion one of his best and that's just a great great song and i agree with julian that shoot you know he they should have put that on love gun i mean that would have been great he could, he could have had two songs on love gun yeah shock me and, and rocket ride so and then any way you want it there's another you know kiss doing a cover tune and they don't need to do that they could have well, well, what's your, another, so, what's your favorite Kiss cover to you? God gave our call to you is mine. Uh, I you know I'd have to. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. That's probably the best one. It's a good know. cover. Mm. Yeah, I, I have to, mine's King right. of the Nighttime World. Oh, okay. It's a good one as well. <laughs> we never, but you know what? It's it's a. Uh, I guess yeah. 
I guess you're, you're right. That's pretty good too. It, it's it's an unknown, more unknown, I guess, song than. Well, God gave rock and roll to you is probably pretty unknown too. <laughs> Argent. I don't think it did that that well originally anyway. So those are my thoughts. Um, I while you know they probably shouldn't have done the the studio stuff in my opinion, but maybe even saved it for the next album. You know. Uh, Dynasty yeah, or something. They needed or, it for the next album. Instead, or instead of going into the, you know, doing the solo albums, just going, you know, a new album and those throw some of those songs on there. So no choice. They were already committed. You know, even before they did yeah, love them, they, they were committed to what they were were going to be doing. So the singles. What do you think of Shouted Out Loud as being the first single from this album? Uh, good choice, bad <laughs> choice. What would have been your choice, Mark? Uh, I think I would have probably preferred something a little... I don't know. I'm not going to say more rock and rollish because obviously Shouted Out Loud is a pretty good rock song. But that's more of like an anthem-y song. Um, I, I would have liked to have heard them do release the I Stole Your Love as a single. I think yeah. that would have did really strong. I think that was a great version of it on there. And I think that that would have been a great A side. Backed with what would be your B side then? Would it, would you have gone uh, with, you know, one of the new tracks as a B side or would you've uh, done like they did and cross promote the alive album just so that no one forgets that kiss did alive. Mm, that was interesting that they did that, but I think alive did well enough at that point. I don't think they really needed to re remind people of it. I think people that was their introduction for some people to kiss so I would I, don't, I think that's pretty fresh in people's mind I think that one of the studio tracks would have been maybe an interesting idea of maybe backed it with Rocket Ride although who knows if they would have allowed to have Ace on a single like that but I, I think that, that that would have been my choice I Stole Your Love and Rocket Ride yeah I, I think going into Kiss if Paul had the A side Gene would have been on the B-side. So I love the idea of I Stole Your Love as the single. And uh, I would B-side it with Larger Than Life, since you know Gene's mm. going to get that. Ken, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I, th- I think I know what they're doing here. Uh, because uh, Rock and Roll Night, you know, they tried it as a single on uh, Just to Kill. It didn't, you know, didn't work. Uh, didn't, you know, and that version didn't even have a guitar solo in it, of course. Um, but then the the live version is the one that you know got you know airplay and, and did pretty good. So I think they're going for the same type of thing as you know shout it out loud didn't make it off a you know destroyer didn't really do much. So they thought well let's let's try again just like rock and roll over maybe we'll have a hit out of it. Um, and you know I'm okay with it. You know that idea shout it out loud works for me. Other as for other singles on here. I mean, you already had Colin Dr. Love did pretty well uh, on yep. the charts. Also, Christine 16 did pretty well um, on the charts. So I, I don't know if they would take another stab at, you know, Love Gun or something like that. Um, it may may have worked, uh, possibly. Uh, that would have been maybe a choice for me. Good thoughts. Daniel? I agree with Mark. I still love it. It's the one to go with. It's such a great track and such a great version. I would have gone with that one. I still uh, shout out light to try that like 20 years later with uh, the uh, reunion tour when they released that uh, 
I don't know what... I almost don't remember the name. You want the best, you got the best. Yeah. And they released Shout Out Loud is a live single. That was a great version, but uh, it's so typical Kiss, kind of lazy. Well, we did did this 20 years ago. Let's do it again. Release Shout Out Loud (laughs) as a single. It's the third time. Yeah, yeah. But to me... Exactly. I still love that's a kick ass version, you know. They should have released that one. The thing that boggles the mind is that they were even thinking about releasing Any Way You Want It as the third single. And it's just crazy. That's, that's, yeah, that's just I, I just that just <laughs> when I saw those memos for the first time I'm like, Really? Thank tells you me. what their thinking was at the time it was kinda of going. Yeah, so, th- you know, thank goodness you got Strutter 78 instead. I mean, God, I mean, it, it really is. But, you know, Kiss, Kiss Alive too. I think, does stand the test of time very well. You know, it, it, we, we've critiqued it a bit, but that doesn't mean that it's not still a very important album in the band's catalog. I mean, it's one of their few legitimately double platinum certified albums in the United States. I've got shipment figures here, you know, two point, um Roughly 2.8 million copies had been shipped by June 79, oh. 304,000 in the sound scan period through March uh, 2012. So that that's five years ago since I last managed to get an update of the sound scan figures. I don't think it's probably shifted 20,000 a year since then. So I'd, I'd put it under 400, but that's over 3.1 million copies shipped. So that that's very respectable. You can understand why with Greatest Kiss they did the uh, that Tiger Stadium live version of Shout Out Loud. Why if you're replicating the Alive 2 tour, well, Alive 2, your single was shouted out loud, so it kind of ties that part of Kiss Street back together. What would you like to see if Kiss had, or Universal more appropriately, let's not just blame Gene and Paul all the time for everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Universal. If Kiss did a deluxe edition of Alive 2 and you could have pretty much anything you wanted what would you want them to do with this album would you want them to remix and remaster and get rid of that annoying um track uh, audience track how would how would you like them to treat you daniel there's a lot to do <laughs> you know for example as you mentioned the audience audience track they need to do something about that they need to remove to me i would like to see them remove the fourth side and adding uh, a few more live uh, tunes and to me there's clearly clearly at least one of each album that you could add Love Em, Leave Em, Almost Human Do You Love Me, maybe a few others and I, I, I would just like the fourth side to disappear, <laughs> I never liked that one even though I love Rocket Line it, it like um, how do you say it in English it um, diminished it diminishes you know the flow of the album Mm-hmm. You're you're into the live experience. You, you you're into it, and then shout it out loud ends, and then the first yeah. chord of All American Man starts, and it's a great chord in any other setting, but in this setting it doesn't really work. It's like, okay, that's the end of it. What's this? And to me, it doesn't work. I would just get rid of the fourth side and add five more tracks, and I'm sure you can hit. You can find two more good tracks than Love and Leave Almost Human and Do You Love Me. There's at least two more tracks that you could find if you looked through the archives. So I would make it a real live album and remove the fourth side. I was never a fan of, you know, including fourth side just to be able to release a new song. Uh, this is about the live experience. Like one, imagine if you would have 
another side on a live one with uh, you know non-live tracks it will just decrease the uh, the va- the value of the product you don't need that on a live al- album a live album is supposed to put you in the seats you know you're supposed to feel like you're in the concert that you're there that you that you're watching the show so remove that fourth side and include a few more songs and that would be uh, the alive to remastered or redone version that I would like to see nicely put Ken well I would I would go with uh, you know going back to the rock and roll party you know in Tokyo uh, thing I would include that I would include all the shows that they used uh, were they if LA Forum or uh, there's other ones too uh, that they used for this uh, recording um, plus so I would have had those in full you know and then maybe the original one of course uh, remastered or remixed and, and, and bring down that crowd noise or even even get rid of it and use whatever crowd noise was picked up you know that's probably enough anyway um, I don't need to have fake crowd noise pumped in um, it's kind of like watching you know on TV when you it, it can get annoying you watch a comedy uh, series and, and you have the laugh track going it's like you know why are they laughing that was not funny um, so uh, that kind of thing you don't need it and it becomes annoying after a while so yeah that then and then also put a you know DVD or Blu-ray of uh, a show, at least one of the shows, full show. Largo. Uh, which would be a, there you go. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great one and a great addition to it. Plus maybe and then commentary, uh, maybe even you know Eddie Kramer or whoever you know the, and the band. If you can get any of the band to commentary on that, would be a great package and you know make a box set out of it. You know. Exactly, Mark. Mark, have we gone to you? No. Okay. Um, well, basically, I think uh, what Ken said is pretty much what I was thinking. Same thing. I mean, I, I agree with ditching side four, make it into a proper full concert. Um, in this day and age, where lots of bands that I love have had their albums redone and repackaged and done by interesting people like how King Crimson have done their stuff with Stephen Wilson, so have Gentle Giant and other bands like that. Um, um, the day come when we'll finally see a 5-1 mix of a Kiss record. Would Alive 2 be one to do? Who knows? It'd be interesting to maybe get it remixed, get team the audience a bit, and maybe put that in 5-1 around. Make you feel like you're sitting right in the middle of a concert. That'd be interesting. <laughs> um, and uh, I agree. Bring the rock and roll party. Uh, make that maybe the bonus disc, audio-wise, and end it with a Blu-ray or DVD version of one of those shows, like like Largo there, like how Julian said. And I think you have a pretty strong uh, repackaging of a record that Kiss fans will buy. And I'd still always boggled. I know we went through this a hundred thousand times, so. Not going to go through it again, but it just still boggles me that Universal won't loosen the purse strings and let them do something like this. 
Yeah, you know, I I want a box set like a Super Alive, a Super Alive 2, that you get all those master recordings that were done, regardless of how screwed up they may be. Just mix them, master them, and put them on a CD for all three nights that they recorded. I want the originally yeah. intended rock and roll over rock and roll party in Japan of one of those versions, you know, put it out as a single, do some nice artwork for it. Um, and then I want Alive 2 to be given the rebuild treatment. When they say that they didn't want to replicate any of the songs that had appeared on Alive, on Alive 2, it doesn't make any sense. There are only three songs from Alive that were still even in the set, and that is Firehouse, Black Diamond, and Rock and Roll All Night. That is all that was performed on the tour on Love Gun. Put those songs back into the set, and if we're going to build a fake set, at least base it on what the actual performance order was, and then stick in King of the Nighttime World somewhere appropriately, probably at the top, you know, where where they were, you know, kind of performing by then. And I, I'm just actually on the uh, the LA shows, and they did start off with I Stole Your Love on that one, which just goes to show, fuck. <laughs> so, so build it, build, yeah. <laughs> Oh well, you know, build build it around what was the real sets done, and yeah. insert those songs back in. Insert "Take Me," "Hooligan," and "Do You Love Me" back into the set where they belong. Keep "Tomorrow and Tonight." They 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 used it. They recorded it. They worked on it. So fine, you know, to find a place for it to sit, but just re envisage "Alive 2" with a decent audio track, with maybe fix those uh, drum sounds that. Um, Daniel, was it you or was it Mark who commented on that you didn't the Saint Anger drums? It was you, Daniel. I think it was me. It, it was you. <laughs> so um, that that is what I would do. And then you've got like a six CD and one Blu-ray. And I, you know, I love that Largo show. It really is super Kiss. It's mm -hmm. Kiss at their height. It's a great looking show. Yes, it's imperfect and you know missing some bits, but you know it, it, I, I don't know what the original source source material is on that. So. Um, I think you guys have a, a lot of great ideas, but you're you're into extra everything. To me, it was just like you know the Alive Two album sounding great, and without the studio versions, you know, remove those, put in the song the, the songs that are missing, and uh, remaster the album, and you will have a great live record. And all this other stuff about Blu-rays and all of the stuff we have seen most of it already. So, but it, you know. Yeah, and and the minimalist approach would be perfectly fine. But you're if you're if you're starting to tweak it in any way, you know, the audience, you know, why why not, you know, and get rid of those extra five studio songs and you know cut off any way you want it and just put it in as a bonus seven inch single, you know. So that that's kind of my thought. So let's wrap up this show with some final thoughts on Alive too, and just you know, where does it sit for you? You know, for me, it's uh, it's an important part of the catalog, but not a critical part of the catalog. There are, are better live albums that the band has have done. I'm more likely to go to a live, but it makes sense in terms of where they were at and where they were going in 1977 that it exists. So it's not one that will ever not be in my collection. It's just more likely if I want to listen to Live Kiss, I'm going to reach for a live or I'm going to reach for MTV Unplugged. Mark, you're for Apple. Yeah, well, um, I think it's kind of the same for me. I mean, Alive 2 isn't exactly the bottom of the barrel for me overall, but it's definitely not my first go-to when I want to listen to a live record. So funny, funny enough, 
Um, I almost have as many variation copies of Alive 2 as I do Alive right now, which is kind of surprising. But um, it's it is it has become more of a record that I listen to now than I did before. Um, maybe just because I've been collecting so many different ones of it, I always have a habit of listening to them top to bottom. So maybe it's grown on me a little bit, but it'll never replace a live one for me. Ken? Yeah, while Alive 2 is a you know, sentimental favorite of mine, uh, I understand and I, I know it's not the the best live record that you know Kiss has done. Um, you know, Alive and uh, you know and Unplugged are the the two you know best performances uh, of Kiss um, live. Um, so you know, Alive Two comes with you know my third uh, right behind those t- those first two, um, and then and then to me I have a big drop off with like a live three and and so on it's a it's a big drop off after that yep all right daniel you get the final word since we've waited so long to have you back on the show well i don't know if i have a lot of, lot to add but but uh, to me alive one is perfect alive two isn't no uh alive two is a mishmash i enjoy some of the songs it doesn't work as a live concert the fourth side shouldn't be on be on there, and um, but I understand why they why they released it. It was uh, the perfect move, I guess, at the time, and it chipped. I don't know, almost close to three, four million copies or something, and uh, it was a success. But it didn't really capture Kiss at the height of the power somehow, you know. Kiss was, if you look at concerts from 77, 78, it's, it's almost incredible. I mean, there isn't a live band out there today that can match those shows, to me. Uh, they were awesome. And uh, unfortunately, they couldn't capture it on a live record. While, whilst you, you listen to a live one and Kiss were just getting started, and they somehow managed to capture, you know, the sound live, and it almost sounded better on record than live. But live too was kind of a letdown, so I prefer bootlegs, live videos, and that sort of stuff instead of live too. But it's still, I understand why they released it, and it's, it has a, an important, an important, uh, it's an important p- piece of history, you know. But uh, it could have been better. Yep. And I think one thing that kind of um, does prove that is the recently surfaced recordings to Fort Worth from the the last shows of the uh, Love Gun Tour. They are absolutely bombastic. That is how I like to hear Kiss sound and feel listening to them live. And, you know, maybe it's just because they're still new to me that I'm, I'm just kind of in awe of how how aggressive they sound and the, the overall sound captured is perfect all right so that's you know that is a tribute to alive too because again you know none of us have not recognized its importance in the catalog um as it reaches 40 years old you know there's a lot of albums that are celebrating their anniversaries this year and the one person who i haven't mentioned is obviously eddie belandis who does mm. the iconic introduction to you know mm. this album who passed away this week six years ago so 
you know, gone another member of the KISS Army many years ago, so it's almost uh, appropriate that he passed on around the time that this album came out, of which he played a part, even if Gene had to re-record part of uh, that intro, because it didn't sound quite right. So there we are. Wherever you listen to the show, whether it's on the KISS FAQ, on Facebook, on iTunes, if you want to leave us a review, please do. We always like honest opinions. But chime in. You know, what are your favorite memories of Alive 2, where it fits into your life as a as a KISS fan, what are the things that you like, the things you don't like, and what would you like to have seen them do? And if you like them to do a deluxe edition, what would you like to see? But for now, from Mark, from Daniel, from Ken and myself, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.